2: What is going on everybody and good morning. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast brought to you guys by the Pigskin Podcast Network. You can find them at PigskinPodNet on Twitter or you can search the hashtag TPPN as we and many of the other podcasts go live. It is July 4th. Do we call this Independence Day or do we say Happy July 4th? I'm very curious because...
1: I think it's both.
2: See, I've been corrected many times on that, so I was just curious. I, everybody I work with, as of recently, when I was talking to customers or whatever, and be like, "Hey, you know, have a happy July Fourth weekend." Like, yeah, happy Fourth, and so I'm just like, "Okay, cool." I feel like that's the new lingo now, and then I was corrected many times. Like, no, it's Independence Day. I like, okay. I mean, it I'm is bad. Independence
3: Day, is, but yes. if you're wishing somebody to have a happy Fourth of July weekend, you know, it's appropriate as well. Okay, just checking.
2: I wasn't sure. But anyways, it is July 4th. So, you know, just trying to get that out of the way. Happy Independence Day for anyone who, who wants, you know, happy Independence Day. Uh, you guys excited? Matt, I know we just rushed you in preparing all of this stuff as we were getting ready for this show. Like, you guys excited? Dennis was already at a parade. I was sleeping in. I had a, I had a big thing last night. Like, everybody excited for the 4th? Yeah. <laughs>
3: I think I'm going to try to avoid my wife's honeydew list most of the day, even if that means I have to trick her by saying, hey, let's go jump in the pool because she loves to go float around in the pool. I feel about the pool much like I felt about the boat, you know, not my gig has a lot of maintenance stuff I don't really care to deal with, but I don't mind hopping in now and again.
2: I feel like you've got a new way to avoid that now with, the, with your guys' love of Stranger Things. She's like, hey, babe, why don't we just sit down? Let's watch some Stranger Things. And that well, will knock out a, a full day quickly, I promise. She hasn't...
3: She's not like... Um, she, it was her idea, and three or four episodes in, she's like, eh, I don't know. And Cole, it was her and Cole, and they, they invited me, and I'm like, all right, cool. And Cole is like, oh, that's kind of scary. I'm like,
2: well... It's got some moments in the first season. Like my my kids will not watch it now. I don't feel like it's as scary now. And Matt, I know you're as far in as I am, so I, I feel like the horror part has kind of gone away for the most part. The first mm-hmm. season, it's got a little bit of that, but I mean, you got to give it some time. I I was very much the same way. The first time I watched it, I think I saw like two, maybe three episodes. Like, yeah, this ain't for me. And then I came back not even a month ago, and I've gone through four whole seasons. Like, you give it time, the characters will grow on you. It gets really interesting really quick.
3: Yeah, I'm still at the point. I'm like, I don't know what the objective is. You know, we're looking for the buyer's kid. Okay, I get that. We have met Elle. Okay, she's got, like, Stephen King superpowers of
2: some sort.
1: She's a Jedi.
2: Yeah, something. So, the whole first season is pretty much about finding Will. There's just, you get some interesting little things thrown in your way in between all that. So,
3: I mean, Winona Ryder seems to make choices in men like my ex wife.
2: So, I don't know.
3: I mean, That's, after me,
2: I, sh- I, I should <laughs> say that that changes, she gets better. Matt, what about you? How, what are your plans for today?
1: Well, like you, uh, we, we finished Stranger Things. So I was saying, I, you know, because I'm old and I'm on a schedule, uh, my body woke me up at 5 a.m., uh, 5.30 a.m., despite the uh, fact that they were setting off mortars in our neighborhood into the wee hours you know it was like going to sleep in a shelling zone because we're right next to fort carson which is a giant army base Uh, a lot of fort carson people live in this neighborhood um
3: so they have access to the good fireworks
1: well yeah and technically you can drive over the border into wyoming and there i've seen them when we came through there and there's giant shacks but i'm sure they got some shipments up from mexico every year i don't really have to go to a fireworks show i just need to go sit on my deck Um, like in 2020 when nobody could leave a house, it was the most entertainment I ever had. It looked like if you've ever seen one of those war movies where you just have like the smoke rising through the trees after the combat shelling, that's what it looks like uh, on 4th of July. You hear them before you see where they are. You hear the whiz, you know, as they're firing the mortars into the air. I invited some friends last year, but obviously we're kind of recovering from from covid so uh i have you know i made a very patriotic uh, huevos rancheros breakfast casserole this morning after i did the yard um and then tonight i'm gonna barbecue some hot dogs uh i will first watch uh national champion uh, american patriot great historic american joey chestnut um as soon as we finish here And then later I'll make my own hot dogs. I will not be eating 97 or however many he can put down. But my big annual tradition every year um, has been probably since I was a teen is to watch the greatest 4th of July film of all time, Steven Spielberg's Jaws.
2: Oh, I like it. It's not where I thought you were going to go. So I like it. Yeah, Jaws takes place on the 4th of July. It does. It does. Yes. It is a classic movie. I love it. All right, so we are here today to talk about uh, the NFC West continuing our team preview series. Today, we're going to talk about the Rams and the Cardinals. But before we get to that, and I'm going to be honest, this is news to me. So I'm going to throw this to Matt because I'm assuming he saw this somewhere. I did not. I was practically out of
1: commission.
2: Oh, Dennis. Okay. I was out of commission most of yesterday, so I did not see this. There are now apparently rumors and rumblings about Baker Mayfield heading to Tampa. Dennis, what is it that you saw? Uh,
3: you know, Jared Gray um, from Toilets to Titles, and he's done some other work. He's done some work with ESPN and uh, Fox Sports. And I heard, I feel like I heard this like a month or two ago something about, you know, there may be interest in Baker to Tampa. And just today, Jared tweeted out that, you know, he's heard. Some rumblings about it, you know, Baker going to Tampa, restructuring his deal, taking over for Tom when he leaves. Honestly, it's not that uh, implausible of a scenario, and it might be like it's of the situations for Baker, it's probably the best one. It's certainly the best team, has the best overall set of weapons. Um, You know, we'll have to see how the new head coach in there Sort of settles in with Arians gone, but you know Tampa has a, a pretty good team, and you know they work some cap magic. I feel like they could you know restructure things and get get Baker in there. And I mean, he's certainly better than Blaine Gabbert and whoever the hell else they have backing up Tom Brady. Kyle so, Trask, I believe. Kyle Trask, the that's the name I couldn't remember. So, <laughs> is it plausible? It is. Is it probable? I don't know about probable, but if I'm Baker and I got the choice between sitting behind Tom for a year or two in Tampa and, or going to the dumpster fire, that's Carolina or going to, you know, and I get competitiveness, maybe he's probably the best quarterback on uh, Seattle if he goes there, but you know, Pete's old and, and stuff. And so I don't know. I'd probably take the Tampa option myself if I'm in him.
1: Yeah. I- I think we were all kind of interested in Baker potentially. So if if Baker goes there for fantasy for 2022, not only is he irrelevant um, other than – I mean, Tom Brady would have had one season in his entire career where he got wiped out with injury in 2008. It's not beyond the realm of possibility, but it's pretty unlikely. I would think he's irrelevant. And then it becomes a big question of the – devil's triangle in a couple places of geno smith sam darnold and drew lock do you believe in any of them and a lot of us play super flex leagues which you know usually in a super flex league if you're a starting quarterback there's a chance they're going to need you at some point in time down the down the stretch you have all those guys it also has huge fantasy ramifications for metcalf lockett fan dj moore christian McCaffrey. i think a couple of those fan bases are are waiting it would be a smart thing for Tampa Bay because I think Tampa Bay went from being a potential NFC favorite to when we thought Tom Brady wasn't going to be there and we didn't know who the quarterback was. There were a lot of questions. I don't know if it's a lock that Baker takes over. I think they, they do kind of like Kyle Trask and you could see those guys continuing. I bet they would hold both of them and have some kind of competition. It probably gives you a sign that Tom's maybe in for one more year. They don't think he's going to do anything beyond that. The question is, does Tampa Bay actually make a trade for that? Do they put up, you know, if other teams start to get in a bidding war, this is the dream come true for Browns, who were, you know, on the fence about whether they had to release him. If you start getting multiple teams with interest, the Browns could actually get something back for Baker, which might be the biggest winner in this entire thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see what they would give up for him because I don't think they'd be able to get him in free agency. It feels like Seattle and Carolina... I don't want to say really want him, but it seems like they are making a push. I feel like if the Buccaneers are not willing to to give up anything to get Baker, the Browns will just trade him to either one of those teams. And then it will just come down to, you know, what happens with his contracts. We've heard rumors that Seattle might be willing to extend him. Haven't really heard anything out of Carolina. So maybe at best he gets that, um, oh, God, what's the franchise tag if he goes out there and plays really good this year? I mean, I'd love it. There were rumors very early on that Tampa Bay was interested when Arians was there. And we, because I remember talking about like that'd be the perfect spot for him. He goes in there, learns if, if Brady comes back. Cause at that point in time, we weren't sure if Brady was coming back. And it's like if, he, if Brady comes back, he gets to learn for a year. Otherwise, I think he beats those guys out. I don't think Trask or any of those guys have a shot. I don't remember the exact quote, but I remember reading some stuff about that, that coaching staff, not really loving Trask at all. So I I don't think that, and and I I understand that. I I think he was a little bit inflated by his numbers and the system that he ran in college. He does not have the strongest arm. Um, I I would say it's actually below average uh, for most quarterbacks. So, it would be an intriguing fit. I agree with Matt. It would be a pretty big fallout, I think, in the fantasy communities. It feels like a lot of people are expecting him to go to Seattle or Carolina. And so, if you have DK and Lockett, you're crossing your fingers probably that you get Baker over Drew Lock or Gino. And then, if you're in Carolina, you're crossing your fingers that you're not about to get one more year of Sam Darnold. And that may all go away if he ends up going to Tampa Bay. Personally, as a big Baker fan, I would love that. Though I didn't really love what Todd Bowles did in New York, I feel like that definitely has the best weapons. Probably he's shown at least over the past couple of years it's been a more stable organization than the Panthers or Seattle when it comes to just kind of winning and offense. So I'd be, I'd be curious to see where he eventually goes, and I hope we get that answer soon because I feel like we've been talking about this for a very long
0: time.
3: Now, from a, a dynasty perspective or a fantasy perspective, I don't think it greatly improves his stock. I still think he's in that QB 16 areas, kind of like QB 16 to 20. You know, earlier career Derek Carr, kind of earlier career Kirk Cousins. Um, does that mean he's got the possibility he can climb from there? Sure, but I, I again, I still feel like he's a middling QB two, which is good for Superflex.
2: Yeah, I've, I've given up the dream on him ever being a QB one at this point. I, I I have I held strong for as long as I could, but at this point, I think it's time to face facts. So, I agree with you there. All right, so let's talk about the Los Angeles Rams. Last year, obviously, won the Super Bowl. With the 12 and 5 record. Their key departures. Robert Woods goes to the Titans. Von Miller on his way to the Bills. Sonny Michelle to Miami. And Odell Beckham Jr. after the injury is still sitting out there as a free agent. Rumors are that it's likely going to be the Rams or the Packers. So Rams still seem to be in on Odell Beckham Jr., even though they brought in Allen Robinson Jr and Bobby Wagner, and they drafted Kyron Williams as kind of their key running back uh, add in the draft. Matt, Cam Akers is on track to start the season. What do we expect from him? Obviously, we saw him come back much earlier than many of us expected after that blown Achilles tear. Um, looked good in one game, then kind of struggled after that. There's Some have him as a top 10 back. Some don't even have him as a top 20 running back. Where do you fall, and what do you think about Cam Akers?
1: Yeah, I think if Aker stays healthy all season, he ends up in the RB2 range. I'm not super bullish that he ends up as an RB1 because, A, I don't think the Rams run scheme is incredibly run heavy. And I think with the receivers that they have and the fact that they like to go down the field, they're not dumping it off to backs all the time. And also I think they are still going to use Darrell Henderson. Um, You know, I think there's a chance they give some carries to Kyron Williams or somebody else. We've seen the Rams throughout uh, the time. Cam Akers does not strike me as Todd Gurley. And I think it was only one or Uh, the first half of the second year under McVay where Todd Gurley was kind of the bell cow. And that was a different kind of back that they brought in. I think they like to use different guys. They like to use committee. And we saw a couple of times that uh, Cam Akers actually was a liability to them in the playoffs, Um, struggled with some ball security and some issues like that. So I I think he's going to have a good season, but people think he's going to explode uh, I think he has the potential potential that we think J.K. Dobbins has if he was healthy and had a full run. I don't think Akers is that same kind of running back, and it's not the same system.
3: Yeah, I I, I don't think I ever bought into Akers uh, in competition with Dobbins. I had Dobbins as my RB1 in that class, and going into the draft, I had Akers at four, Edwards-Alaire at five, After the draft, those two basically switched. They moved Edwards-Alaire up to four and had Akers at five. I I like the, you know, Akers is a good athlete, at least prior to the Achilles tear, he was a good athlete. His issue has always been his vision isn't very good. And I think that sort of gives Daryl Henderson uh, an opportunity to make plays because, When they need uh, a big play, I think sometimes they go to Henderson because he has good vision. I just don't think Henderson has what it takes to hammer it in there between the tackles uh, very frequently. But Henderson, you know, when he's going at RB46 and Cam Akers at RB19, I feel like that's that's good value for Akers. He's, you know, low-end RB2. I think I'm okay with that there. In Dynasty, he's RB14. I still feel like he's a low-end RB2 in Dynasty. So I don't think I'd pay running back 14 prices for him. Um, You know, Henderson at RB46, I feel like he could be an RB3. So I feel like that's a little bit undervalued on him. He's RB50 in Dynasty. I could see Henderson having a stretch of a few years sort of uh, as a James White kind of back, you know, producing because of, uh, pass catching, you know, getting 125 carries and catching 60 or 70 passes. Uh, but as far as Acres goes, I like the value at RB19. Um what uh see ADP of 51.7, so that's early 5th round. I'd probably I'd probably be waiting. Uh I would probably like him more at the end of the 5th than at the beginning of the 5th.
2: Yeah. I really don't know what to think about Akers, because um, I do expect he'll be a little bit better than what we saw in the playoffs. Again, he was coming off that Achilles uh, injury and fairly early. We've talked about it on here. I feel like at length um, with other players you've had it happen to, you're like, we've only really seen Donta Foreman come back from it. And it took him a couple of years. It, it wasn't a quick bounce back I almost I'm almost positive he bounced around on a couple different teams as well before finally landing with the uh with the Titans last year and that Derrick Henry getting injured and him kind of having that back end of the season is kind of what vaulted him back up you know they've got multiple players there in Darrell Henderson um Calais Raymond Jake Funk is still there you know, I, I was more excited about the drafting of Kyron Williams until apparently he injured his foot and had surgery, so I don't know what that means for him now moving forward. I just – I I value a – I still value him as a, as a RB2 because I think he's got the talent. I mean, he was a really good receiver back in college as well. As Dennis mentioned – You know, maybe that's where his value is going to come from. He had like 16, 30, and 20, I think, something close to that, receptions a year in college. Like, he was very good at catching the ball out of Florida State, especially when they had a really bad offensive line. What Matt, Matt mentioned earlier is very true, though, as well. Like, they just seem to mix these running backs since Todd Gurley left. They don't really seem to rely on one guy. And the other thing with this offense is, They've got Stafford and all these receivers and Sean McVay, who just seems to love to pass the ball. I think that just limits. They talk about ultimate. Oh, yeah, well, we're going to run it a little bit more. And then we see him run it, and it's like three times in a row. And then they pass it 10 times, and they go back and run it like two more. Like They just don't seem to want to run the ball a ton, and they don't have to. They are very successful in passing the ball. They've got Stafford now, and they were passing a lot even with Jared Goff. I don't think he's going to be that good. I do think he's got some receiving upside, so I kind of agree with Dennis there. I mean, RB19, that's not a bad value there for Cam Makers. I have him at like RB21, so you're paying up just a little bit. But if if it's a guy that you believe in can get better than that or or produce better than that RB19 value, I'm fine taking him there. I would kind of grab a Henderson at RB46, because I just feel like he's going to fill in more often than – Some of us are expecting, and that could end up helping you out, um, especially if they end up splitting the roles. Matt, what do we expect from Stafford, Cup, and Robinson? Uh, We saw last year it was really just Cooper Cup. Uh, Well, Robert Woods had his games here and there and then ended up getting injured. When Odell Beckham came over, he was actually fairly good for fantasy. Now we get Alan Robinson there. They're all having breakfast together from all the rumors. He gets the whole season off season to learn this Rams offense. Do you expect both of these guys to be fantasy viable in 2022?
1: Yeah, I think we've waited, but this is going to be the ninth year of his career. We've waited eight years for Allen Robinson to be paired with a quarterback and a good offense. And we've seen at times he's been able to, to thrive and to give us flashes of that even when the offense hasn't been great, that 2020 season in Chicago with Mitch Trubisky, he looked pretty good. This is by far the best passing offense he's been a part of. I think Cooper Cup's fine. Cooper P- Cup's going to be probably a top five receiver again, if not wide receiver one or two, uh, something up there. But I think Allen Robinson finishes as a, a high end wide receiver too. Uh, and I think those two really carry it. And we've seen what Tyler Higby is. He's kind of a high end. Tight end too. He's going to have some great games. He's going to have some games where you forget he was on the team. Uh, We've we talked about it before. Van Jefferson will probably have some good games where he competes and and offers a few things. Um, You know, I don't know if he's a reliable week to week start. Maybe a more of a deep league flex option. And I'm still going to be curious if they bring back OBJ because I think if you combined Robert Woods and OBJ uh, last year, if you combine them, and really they never played together. Um, as soon as Odell got there Robert Woods got injured I think if you combine them you'd be something close to wide receiver two over the season OBJ really caught fire down the stretch there I I think Allen Robinson is better than that and he's ready to thrive and that will keep defenses honest too one of the things we saw even in the Super Bowl is they were they were gravitating everything over to Cooper Cup because there were no other options I think this will diversify the Rams You're muted.
3: You're muted, Dennis. The combination of Woods and Beckham, they combine for 93 targets. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, we're discounting Van Jefferson, and, you know, he had, what, uh, 89 targets last year. I do think that if OBJ comes back, that pushes Van Jefferson, but Cooper Cup is the unquestioned top dog there. And I think Allen Robinson will clearly be the two, even if they sign OBJ. I feel like OBJ is kind of turning into um, Deshaun Jackson. He's going to get you some big plays. Um, he's going to have some games where I don't think he's the f- consistent factor that he used to be. He's, what, 29 years old now? Um See Van Jefferson's ADP is one seventy for Dynasty. Let me get over here on my screen. One eighty-three for Superflex redraft. He's going off his ADP seventy-five. I mean Beckham is going at ADP at wide receiver seventy-four. At uh, uh, his Superflex ADP is. 186.3. That's a little bit screwy. Let me find my actual single sheet here. Um, Where was Beckham? That's interesting. Uh, Must see. Must hear. Uh, See, Beckham is going off at wide receiver 70, and van jefferson uh wide receiver 69 so you know they're going close to each other i think that's a big gamble to me the gamble is on beckham because if he gets signed i don't think he takes everything that jefferson is doing away and i i feel like you know he's not going to be ready at the beginning of the season so i feel like obj is a gamble i i'm i'm out on obj I think, it, you know, Cooper Cup is still going off the board at wide receiver one, who I think is what this question was originally about. Uh, and Allen Robinson going off at uh, Superflex redraft as wide receiver 28. I feel like Robinson is a value at wide receiver 28, period.
2: Yeah, yeah, that that's kind of the screaming value for me is is Robinson. I, I would not be surprised if he finishes the season up as like, Wide receiver, 15, 16. Like, I think Robinson has an absolute chance to smash because I still think defenses are going to focus in on Cooper Cup. And as Matt mentioned, they did that in the Super Bowl, even though he still was able to make that amazing play to practically win them the Super Bowl. Like, having a guy like Allen Robinson across from him changes things. I'm, I'm with Dennis on the Odell thing. You know, he tore his ACL so late in the year. He's not signed. And there's still rumors that he may not come back to L.A. Like he said that he wants to and that they want him to. But that doesn't mean that he will. I know all the reports are saying that he may not come back until November. And at that point, you're getting close to starting to push for your playoffs. Is that a guy you want to come in and possibly not get his first game till close to Thanksgiving? Christmas, not Christmas, but Thanksgiving? (coughs) To give him some time to get ready? Like...
1: I think if you're taking OBJ, especially in redraft, you're taking him in the dead last round as a stash that maybe you have a guy that come playoff time, you've had, you know, you made the playoffs, but your team got destroyed right before you got to the playoffs, or you have a bunch of teams, there are buys the first round of the playoffs, and you just want somebody to be your upside home run.
2: See, but even then, I think, like, I'd be fine doing it in best ball. I don't know that I'd ever feel comfortable starting him in a, in a start-your-lineup league, right, where you go and pick, like, when's the game you're going to feel comfortable, unless Odell goes off, like, two weeks in a row, and, like, okay, I feel great, because I still could see that end up, you put him in your lineup, and then it's the Cooper Cup-A-Rob game back again, and those two guys go off, and Odell does nothing, so... He's a big risk for me. I still love the player, still love the talent. He will turn 30 this year, November 5th is his birthday. So, I mean, he he's still young-ish, but he's dealt with a lot of injuries specifically to that knee. Like, that's a lot to come back from. Uh, he is an amazing talent, but I, I'm, I'm kind of with Max, especially in redraft. Right? Like, you want to take a shot on him, especially if you have, like, an IR designation. Like, grab him, throw him on your IR, and see what happens, especially if he ends up going to Green Bay. Like, I'd love that for him. I think that would really boost him and his fantasy potential, but we just don't know what's going to happen with him. I don't know what to think about Van Jefferson. I feel like he's priced appropriately based on what Dennis just said with his ADP, but I just, he's got his moments. I feel like he's the best ball guy on this team. Like he's the guy I want on a best ball roster because he's likely going to have a couple big games because it's not going to go to Cooper Cup or A Rob. But if it's one of those things where you're trying to start your lineup, I don't I think I want all of the A Rob that I can get because I feel like he is the screaming value, as Dennis mentioned here, um, on their wide receiver roster. What are we thinking about uh Matt Stafford? He is currently coming off the board as QB ten with an ADP of 21.2. I'm sorry, 21.4. Uh, Last year, I believe, was QB 5, 6. Like, he was pretty high up there. So he's coming. QB QB 5. So he's come off the board a little bit later, somewhat of a value. Dennis, what are you doing with Matt Stafford in Superflex Drafts? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Dot com. We've got a ton of Major League Baseball games going on right now. Golf, MMA, and more with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props. Everything and anything you need to get money. DraftKingsportsbook.com is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet and get up to $1,000. And if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. Download the DraftKingsSportsBook app.com. And again, use promo code T-P-P-N at DraftKingsSportsBook.com. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That is 1-800-426-2537. In Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Arizona, one 800 522-4700 in Colorado and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Indiana, 1-877-770-STOP or 7867 in Louisiana, 8778-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK 467-369 in New York or visit opgr.org in Oregon. Call text the Tennessee Red Line 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee or one 88 532 3500 in Virginia, 21 and up or 18 and up in Wyoming, physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, louisiana minnesota new jersey and new york pennsylvania tennessee virginia west virginia and wyoming only new customers only minimum five dollar deposit required eligibility restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details
3: so stafford is a guy i am targeting if i miss out on the dual threat quarterbacks or the elite if i can't if i don't get a josh allen a lamar jackson Um, maybe even a a Jalen Hurts if I'm feeling froggy. Um, Because we know Stafford is going to be a high-volume quarterback. He may lead the league in attempts this year. Like you said earlier, um, McVeigh loves to pass the ball, and he's got Cooper Cup, he's got Allen Robinson, he's got Van Jefferson. Uh, So there's ample targets to go around and attempts to go around. I don't know. I'm not drafting him thinking I'm going to get QB five. I feel like top 10 quarterback is good. He's got the upside. He could throw 50 touchdown passes and 5000 yards, which is going to put him uh, near the top of the QB rankings. But he's not going to run, you know, very little. Uh, He rarely even sneaks the ball. But he's an excellent quarterback. He's still what thirty-four years old, thirty-five years old. So he's still got some prime time left in him, and he's playing in a QB-friendly offense. It, you know, at the end of the second round, it, it, in a super flex draft, I'm that would probably have me going. So that's about what uh, pick four. I've probably, unless it went three quarterbacks and Jonathan Taylor fell to me at four, I'm probably taking a QB in the first round anyways. Um, and so that would that would be tough for me to take two QBs in the first and second rounds. You know, if I went another direction, if I decide to go a Jefferson or a Chase or a Cup at pick four, then maybe I do go um, Matt Stafford in the second You know, it's QB 10. It's good value. I don't know that that would be my pick, though.
1: I mean, I think if you're talking about redraft, and it's, I'm assuming all these ADPs are coming because everybody's playing super flex. Because if you're in a one-quarterback league, you're probably not taking 10 quarterbacks in in the first two rounds unless your league has some kind of ridiculous scoring. But QB 10, to me, was about dead on. I think when I was doing my redraft rankings, I had him at nine. Um, I think that's about where he's going to be. Um, he could end up popping a little bit higher. It depends on if some of those quarterbacks that have rushing upside end up getting injured and falling out, which is usually how that ends up shaking out a little bit of that top 10. I like Stafford. I think he's bankable. That's a, that's a, probably a dead on ADP. Um, There's not a lot of value there.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like I'm looking at my, so I started doing my quarterback redraft ranks. Right now I have him at 10 and in, in my dynasty ranks, I have him at 12. So, like, I feel like that is the perfect spot for him. Like, that's just great value. Or not great value. Like, you're getting your value with him. I I would not be surprised if he's a little bit better than QB10. But, I mean, looking at some of these guys I had ahead of him, right ahead of him is Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson. Like, I would rather take a bet on either one of those guys, even though Stafford has a cup and a A-Rob a now there. I mean, hopefully
1: he has a cup. He
2: His wife hopes up. Uh, yeah, I would think so, too. Yeah, was, uh, you know, that he has Cooper. I'll go Cooper. How about that? And then he has himself a little Cooper, and he's got A-Rob. That I, I mean, he just doesn't have that rushing upside that most, I think the only, looking at my ranks, the only two real pocket passers I have ahead of him are Aaron Rodgers and Joe Burrow, And I think both are fairly ranked ahead of him like that. That's just a fair ranking to have. So he he's the third in that category, and I, I, I do think it's a – exactly where he's going so if you miss out on some of those top guys and you want to just like you know what i want a guy who's going to be in a really good offense with a lot of really good weapons is probably going to produce again i'm taking stafford and and that's not a bad bet to make the win total here for the rams is set at 10.5 i feel like that's low and i don't know why i mean i know the nfc west is going to be really good but like when someone tells me you can win some money on putting, you know, the over at ten point, I feel like the Rams have got to be issuing for at least eleven, right? Like they're bringing back practically everybody. I, I, I think for me, it's an easy over, which then, of course, means it's not. But I just, I think they're likely bound for the playoffs again, so I'm taking the over.
1: I'm also taking the over. I think they get around twelve. I have them winning the NFC West again.
3: Yeah, I have the over on them as well. I just I just feel like they're they have enough defense to allow that high powered offense to, you know, win shootouts and the defense is good enough that, you know, if they need to be if if the offense is off, the defense is probably good for one to two games.
2: Yeah, agreed. There, yeah. I mean, when you when you bring back um and Mike, I can't remember his name. Von, not Von Miller. What's who's the Aaron good one? Donald. Aaron, Aaron Donald. Miller. Why the best defensive player in the league jumped out of my head? I don't know. But when you bring back Aaron Donald, I mean,
1: well, all things. they added awesome. Bobby Wagner too. Yeah, no, yeah, So you know, I like Von Miller as a pass rusher, but Wagner is probably a better all-around linebacker. So now you have. Yeah. One of the best all-around defenders, Naren Donald. You have one of the best all-around linebackers in and Wagner. You still have Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, the say, and you so have one of the best three, quarterbacks. So. Well, it's, so you've set really yeah. elite talent at all three levels.
3: Yeah,
2: they're really good at finding ways to just get vets to come in at, at decent salary prices. cap
1: doesn't exist in Los Angeles. If yeah. you play ho- host to the NFL Network headquarters, they, le- they, they let give you, you a pass.
2: They let you do what you want. That's a great job to have. You can get it. Next up, the Arizona Cardinals, who did finally make the playoffs under Cliff Kingsbury. They lost in the wild card round, finished with an 11-6 record. Their key departures, Chase Edmonds, goes to the Dolphins. Christian Kirk signs that massive contract in Jacksonville. And Chandler Jones goes to the Raiders. They did trade during the draft for Marquise Hollywood-Brown. They bring in Darrell Williams. And their key rookies were tight end Trey McBride and running back Keontae Ingram. Dennis, can James Conner do it again? Had that great season last year. For the most part, stayed healthy. I believe he only missed two games, um, had a ton of touchdowns. Um, Do you think that he does it again? And can Williams factor in this backfield? Or Keontae Ingram, who a lot of people seem to think is a sleeper in rookie drafts?
3: So this all comes down to whether or not Connor can avoid injury it's it's I want to believe I think if Connor avoids injury he's definitely uh, in for a good season um you know he he's shown that he fits that offense well he can do everything that they want a running back to do but he plays so hard he he gets nicked up and it can be a, a challenge for him. I, I, I like Ingram. Um, he's probably, he's a guy I'm grabbing in drafts in the third round where I can get him. But I think this year, if something happens to Connor, Daryl Williams is the guy that you want. He's what, well, he's coming off the board at RB 60 right now in redraft. And I, you know, he's, he's the handcuff you want. If, if I'm, drafting James Connor, I'm going to come back late in the draft and I'm going to grab Darrell Williams because I think if Connor does get injured, Williams is the guy. He's a solid two way back. He can, he's not explosive. He's not spectacular. He just kind of gets the job done. He's four yards and that's it. He's not going to break you off a 50 yarder or a 40 yarder, but he'll catch passes. He'll protect the quarterback. He'll get the tough yard. Um, he's just not quite as good as Daryl Williams or uh, James Conner. Is there a chance that Ingram can take over that job? Sure there is, but right now I, I'm kind of out on Ingram in, in uh redraft. I'm going with Daryl Williams as the handcuff.
1: Yeah, all the, you know, Benjamin truthers uh, when Daryl <laughs> Williams signed. They all cried, shed a single tear. Um I think it's gonna be a combination of Connor and Williams. And I think they're actually both gonna have value throughout the season. We saw Connor and James Edmonds both have value throughout the season. We saw Williams when he was with Kansas City. He actually made more of his fantasy impact last year as a receiver. He caught some fantastic deep balls and seam routes from Patrick Mahomes. I think that's got to be a a little bit of appeal to Kyler Murray. And I would agree that he's the – I'm going to be honest. If you looked at all of the Arizona fantasy assets ADP, the only one where there's value to me is Darrell Williams because I think he'll end up in that – low-end RB3, high-end RB4 territory, and he's going as RB60 right now. RB16 for James Conner is just about right. I know he was RB5 last year. He was not very efficient as a rusher. He got a ton of touchdowns. we will probably do some of that again, but I think it's very possible he ends up in the RB12 to 15 range, which means that's dead on. I think all the other kind of ADPs for their for their receiving elements and even for Kyler Murray are either on point or a touch higher than I would like. So Darrell Williams might be the best fantasy value right now going in there. Um, And I think for sure, if something happens to Connor, which is now the realm of possibility, we saw Darrell Williams have some really great games filling in for CEH. He was that fill in back that everybody always thought was Boston Scott was going to be for the Eagles that's Durrell Williams actually delivered those like RV two, RV one games.
2: Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if, if one of you guys was going to bring up Williams, uh, you've both touched on him, So I'll, I'll keep it brief. I'm with you guys. His ADP, in my opinion, is an amazing value with it sitting at where'd he go? RB 60, as Matt just mentioned in redraft, with an ADP of 198.6. And even in Dynasty, RB 70 with an ADP of 231.4. If you go back over the past couple of years, Kyler Murray has passed the ball to the running backs on average 80 times. Now, most of it has been split between two backs, but there was a year where David Johnson got 47 targets, and then Kenyon Drake two years ago had almost or he had 70, and then Chase Edmonds had like 50. James Conner's not catching the ball. That was never really his game. That is, I think, going to be 100% Darrell Williams. I think a lot of people are hoping that's going to be Keontae Ingram because of what he did in college. But I think it's 100% going to be Darrell Williams. And as Matt and Dennis just mentioned, if James Conner gets hurt, it's probably going to be Darrell Williams stepping up into that main role. Now, he may not get – They maybe then at that point they split some of the rushing work because I don't think he's a great – Runner, So maybe it's Eno Benjamin or Keontae Ingram getting that. But I still think the fantasy upside is going to, especially in PPR leagues, going to come from Darrell Williams. So he is a screaming value for me at the running back position. I, I do think Connor's going to be in for good year again, as long as he stays healthy. They do love, it does seem like when they get down in the red zone, they don't want Kyler Murray to run it in as much as he did early on in his career. So I still think James Connor's going to be banging it in when they get down there. And that is kind of where most of his fantasy points came from last year was I think he had, was it 20 touchdowns? He had like in a ridiculous amount of touchdowns last year. So I, I don't know that he has 20 again, but I could easily see 12 to 15. So he's still going to have a good fantasy year. But I'm all in on Darrell Williams as well. Dennis, what are we expecting from this passing game, though? You got Hopkins, who is suspended for six games. They bring in Marquise Hollywood-Brown, who played with him in college, and they were very explosive. A little bit of a different offense here, though. We saw how effective Zach Ertz was in the back half of that season once he really started to get going here with this offense. Uh, and they still have Ron Dale Moore. What are you doing with the pass? Or We'll we'll start with the receivers. What are you doing with the receiving group, including Zach Ertz here for the Cardinals? I
3: I think, by and large, the the two players that feel like a value to me are DeAndre Hopkins and Rondale Moore. Hopkins, in part, he's going at wide receiver 31 as pick 94.7 in redraft. Um, And to me, when he comes back, He's gonna he's gonna get his points per game. He's still gonna be that guy. He'll he'll get plenty of opportunity. I don't think he's gonna totally push Marquise Brown out of the picture, um, but at wide receiver uh, thirty one, if I can stash him on my bench, uh, I think that's great value. My real question is Rondale Moore, what's going to happen with him? You know the it there was a lot of split when he came out. He does does a lot of things. However, he's what, 5 foot 7, 5 foot 8. He's not big. And then he came in last year and he just didn't produce. Do we do we buy into Kingsbury's ability to use him and how is he going to use him? I don't think we know that just yet. At wide receiver 56, pick 151. You know, if, this is a weird case because his his eight, uh, he's going at wide receiver 56 for redraft and for dynasty. So there are some believers kind of propping up his his ADP. But on one hand, I, I want to believe and feel like, well, this is a value. Maybe I'll take a shot. But I'm so anti small wide receiver, and he is small i honestly, I feel like I'd have rather have calvin Austin over Rondale Moore right now, especially because Austin is going to be so much cheaper. but at pick one fifty one it's like you're you're not picking starters then, so are, are you grabbing upside and Moore could have upside? We saw Debo Samuel have a good season with a negative. Uh, yards before the catch a couple years ago. So it's possible that Moore gets opportunity and can be productive. Uh, For me, I'm looking at Marquise Brown as the guy, if he falls past, uh, where's he going now? Wide receiver 20, pick 70. If I can get him, you know, wide receiver 24, 25, I'm probably in. But then I'm trying to trade him week five before um, Hopkins comes back. I want him to go off, have some big games. People buy into the college connection because I do believe that he'll lose. I, I feel like he's a top top 12 wide receiver the first six games and uh, outside the top 18 the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, I think you and I are pretty much on the exact same page. I've mentioned before, Arizona isn't as high volume of pass offense as we sometimes think they are. Even if they took a step forward, that would be Kyler Murray actually getting to and surpassing 4,000 yards, something he has not done in any of his three seasons. I still don't know if we're at the point in time where they've managed to overcome you know, fall off a cliff Kingsbury. Uh, at the end of the season, either. With Hopkins missing those first six games, I actually have him as wide receiver 31 in redraft right now, because I think he will be good when he comes back. But That's a huge chunk you're missing, and it's a huge guaranteed chunk of the fantasy regular season. You know, whereas D-Hop will be able to make up some games toward the end of the season and make up some of his numbers, for, for the purposes of our competition once you've gone through six weeks of the fantasy season you're in a in an interesting position and i'm with you too i think marquise brown is going to be great at the beginning of the season and we'll take a little bit of a step back when hopkins comes back i have him at wide receiver 25 but i wouldn't be surprised if he was top 12 for the first four or five weeks. I also think Zach Ertz plays a big role, and that's why I'm leery of Rondale Moore. His ADP is not terrible. I don't think it's a particularly great value. He could end up exploding, but we saw them starting to use the tight end more and use backs more. I think Ertz is going to be heavily involved. That's why they reinvested. The ADP that I find particularly uh, ambitious is uh, tight end 27 for Trey McBride because you have Ertz in front of him barring some kind of an injury. Uh, Again, I think we have this perception with the Air Raid that Arizona is the super high volume throwing it all the time. They have attempts, but Kyler Murray has never crossed, made it to 4,000 or over in any of his three years. So even if he passed... 4,200 yards, which isn't incredible by the modern NFL standards, that would be a big step up for him.
2: Yeah, we're, I feel like we're all three going to be kind of all over the place on this offense because we don't know what to think. It's been so different. We, we joke about it on here. Everybody talks about it, right? Fall off the cliff Kingsbury, like the first half of the season, Arizona always been really good and they seem to struggle in the second half. Ertz, I do think, is probably one of the safer bets here. Tight end nine. I think he could probably outproduce that with an ADP of ninety-one point eight. We saw even before, and now I cannot remember his name. Um, but he was very good early on last year. I picked him up in one of my redraft leagues, and then like a week later, he unfortunately suffered that injury. I um, mean, tore his knee up. And I, for the life of me, cannot remember who that tight end Max was. Williams. Max Williams. like he, And he's the guy who was left for dead in Baltimore, right? Like we did not yeah. think he was ever going to be anything. Goes to Arizona and they really want to use him. I'm intrigued to see what happens with Rondale Moore. I mean, I know he played in 14 games last year, but he had 400 reception yards, 400 receiving yards last year. It's a little bit better than I expected. I mean, 64 targets, 54 receptions. It was a little bit better than I was expecting. Maybe it was maybe we propped him up too much because we know Cliff Kingsbury likes to implement college stuff into his offense. And we're like, oh, that's a perfect fit for Rondale. Didn't really work out. I don't know, as Dennis mentioned, that I'm really willing to take the bet on him at his ADP. I mean, wide receiver 56, you know, maybe he gets close to that, but I feel like that's a, a little bit high. I'm really worried about Hopkins now. Granted, the value is there, right? Like, he's going off the board as wide receiver 31 in, in redraft and 39 in dynasty. I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes a little bit higher than that, but it's not a guarantee he comes back by week seven or eight. He, you, because you can't be in camp, you can't be at practice, like, he knows the offense. But I would think he's still got to get some. I thought when intense.
1: you were suspended, you could do training camp, and it's you have yeah, to you, leave the team after, once the regular season begins.
2: Right. So, I mean, obviously he can work out on his own, hmm. but I don't know that he'll be in a football shape come week seven. And they, I'm sure they're going to throw him out there. I don't get me wrong. He's one of the best wide receivers in the game. But I do think he'll still
1: be better than healthy AJ Green. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I agree. But I think I don't know that he'll be like hyper targeted or like I think they'll get him some targets and he'll probably get a touchdown in that first game back. He's just, I mean, Kyler Murray can throw what feels like in two area codes of DeAndre Hopkins. He's going to find a way to come down with it. He's just an elite wide receiver. But I don't know that I'm expecting massive production from him early on, which leads me to why I'm really kind of in on Marquise Hollywood Brown. Now, wide receiver 20 is a high price to pay because you are betting on a lot here but if you go back he had a fairly decent season early on last year right with Lamar Jackson and as much as I like Lamar he has not been that good passing the ball deep 37 completion percentage which was number 20 in the NFL last year Hollywood Brown where was it unrealized air yards was 888, which was sixth in the NFL. Meaning he was top 10 in balls that he, that what he was open and could have caught the ball and wasn't able to because Lamar missing him. And then if you go look at Kyler Murray, 50% deep ball completion percentage, number one in the NFL, Kyler Murray knows how to get the ball deep. I don't. I am not going to say they've got this amazing connection just because they did it at Oklahoma. But he's going to be there all off season. He's going to be there in the preseason, and we know Kyler Murray can extend plays and he can still launch that ball fairly easily deep off platform or outside the pocket. I think him and Hollywood Brown are the couple that I, I shouldn't say couple, the duo that I want. Like if I get Kyler Murray. I want to try and get Hopkins because he's going so late, but I have no issue grabbing Hollywood Brown as like my wide receiver too off the board, because I do think he's in for a really good year. I think they traded for him for a reason. And when you look at just, I love Lamar Jackson. He is not the accurate passer that Kyler Murray is like, I think he could, we could finally see that breakout season. We've hoping to see out of Marquise Hollywood Brown, especially in this offense. So I am in on Hollywood Brown. Again, you there's not really a lot of downside baked into his ADP coming off the board at wide receiver 20. And we've seen that he can't go much, much later. If he doesn't get that, he's not a guy that's going to get peppered with targets. You can't expect him to get, you know, eight, nine targets a game, but I will say just like I did DK Metcalf and Tyree kill at one point, when we talked about different stuff with them over the off season, Marquise Hollywood Brown is also a wide receiver who can make your fantasy day with just one play. All it takes is one deep ball for 60, 70 yards, of touchdown. He's major day. And, I think that's going to happen more often than not in Arizona. So let me
3: ask you this. How, How do you think that Lamar Jackson would fare if he was throwing the ball to DeAndre Hopkins instead of Marquise Brown?
2: But it's not just DeAndre Hopkins that's getting the deep balls. DeAndre Hopkins actually is not getting that many deep balls. That's why I'm in on Kyler Murray and Marquise Hollywood Brown. I can pull his stuff up. I looked at it, but he was not – it was Christian Kirk, which is why I also brought up Christian Kirk might actually be in for a decent season at Jacksonville. Let me pull up what Hopkins was really quick. But his, his – uh, oops, typed in the wrong thing here. He was not the guy that they were necessarily going deep to all the time because deep is like anything over um, – what is it? I think it's like 25 20 yards. yards or something. Okay, twenty. I thought it was twenty-five, but yeah, I mean, he was not uh, a guy that they were always targeting deep. It was mostly Christian Kirk. This is taking forever to load up. So while that's pulling up, oh, there we go. Where is his? So his so Hopkins unrealized air yards over the past couple of years was three hundred and three. So he was seventy-one. And where did his? Where did his a dot go? Let me see if I can find it. Um, oh, I cannot find this anywhere. Where am I looking at? Target, drops, drops. Oh, wow. Only four drops? Jeez, please, that kid is good. Um, 10.2 yards. That's not deep. So I, I that's why I'm all in on Hollywood Brown, and I do think both of them can succeed. Like when Hopkins comes back, Hopkins is going to be hyper targeted. I'm not going to pretend like it's, it's Marquise Hollywood Brown is going to become the one in that offense, but I still think they're going to take their shots to him deep, and because Kyler Murray is so accurate going down the field, like his his true completion percentage, which is when like if wide receivers drop the ball deep, is seventy three point two. Like, Kyler Murray is just a very accurate passer. He is very good. Lamar Jackson is not that. He never has been. Like, I like Lamar. I'm back in on him again this year. He's not that. He's not that accurate of a passer. Matt, what are we doing with Kyler Murray? He's been a high-end QB producer for us in fantasy. Uh, Some of that has mostly been due to the rushing and has pretty good rushing touchdown stats, but it does seem like over the past year and probably this year they're trying to pull back a little bit on that. Where are you? Where are you at right now with Kyler Murray?
1: He's a low end QB one for me, and that's where I think his QB six ADP feels too high. You know, I, you know, if we we're even going to put him up against the quarterback who we just talked about, I'd rather have Matthew Stafford. I'd rather take a chance on Jalen Hurts. I'd rather take a chance on uh, Russell Wilson. I'd rather take Dak, Joe Burrow. I mean, he's I might even actually take a chance on tom brady i think kyler murray probably if he was going you know qb 10 to 12 i think that's right uh we have this perception that he's you know just part of this high flying run and gun offense and, and we haven't seen it yet i need to see him take more of a step forward before i get too excited about him there's a realistic possibility with Devonte adams in town that Derek carr ends up finishing above him and he ends up dropping to a high-end qb two.
2: Really quick, I misspoke. I was looking at the wrong thing. I was looking at his specific coverage. Uh, his actual average depth target is 12.4 yards, number 23 in the NFL, was the Hopkins. So. Just to clarify, because someone will say that I was wrong, and I was.
3: And what was Browns?
2: Oh, God, now you make me go back and find Hollywood Browns. I don't know. Let me find out. Uh, his is depth of target is 10.8, 52. But, again, different offense. That's Baltimore's compared to what I think he's going to do in Arizona.
3: Well, and that was that was why I asked the question: if you were to put Nuke on Baltimore, yeah, it, but again, mark? they play
2: completely different roles. Like Hopkins is not the deep threat for anybody; he's a guy who's going to. I mean, he's got the deeper A dot right now. Deep, better offense. I guarantee you, it's not going to be that this year. Just watch what what they do with Hollywood. That it's a different offense. It'd be comparing like Jarvis Landry's to, well, no, he's probably going to be better this year trying to think of he's just it's a completely different offense in my opinion you can't compare the two a dots you have to compare what the quarterbacks do in that offense I feel you your thoughts on Kyler Murray though I
3: I've not been a Kyler Murray fan I'm not a big fan much like being team big wide receiver I'm not a huge fan of uh, five foot ten quarterbacks Uh, I think Murray uh, a lot of his Passing ability is predicated on his mobility, and we saw last year when he gets dinged up in the lower body and loses his mobility, um, it really affects his passing game. And they're not a great, you know, they're they're not a high-volume passing offense to begin with. So I I feel like there's going to be some splash plays, some big plays. I agree with you. Marquise Brown is going to go deep a lot. I'm just not as sold as you are that he's going to be able to convert them just because he runs more deep passes. I feel like uh, Nuke gets his fair share of deep passes and he has a much stronger ability to bring the ball in. And for the most part, when you look at a statistic that says, you know, completion percentage, uh, it's not telling you how accurate the ball is. I'm sure you've got an advanced stat that, that can tell me how much more accurate uh, Kyler's throws are versus Lamar's throws there somewhere. But a catch is a catch. And so whether it's, you know, with within the, the frame of the body or whether the wide receiver has to reach out for it and still come down with it, I, I feel like that's what Nuke does. Nuke catches what's thrown near him. And I feel like Hollywood Brown um, doesn't bring a lot of those types of throws in. I, I like Kyler. I don't like him at QB6. I especially don't like him at QB5 for Dynasty. Um, I, I don't have, uh, honestly, I don't have any shares of Kyler Murray. Uh, I did trade for one share last year in a 16 team um, uh, super flex league because I was trying, I I was like, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to make a run for it. And I ended up towards the end of the season when Kyler got injured and wasn't being productive. I traded him away uh, for a package that brought me back Derek Carr. Uh, And I, and I'm, Honestly, I'm I'm very happy with that. I have Carr and Tom Brady as my quarterbacks in that league.
2: Yeah, I have Kyler dropped a little bit more. Um, I have him down at QB7. That's more because I had guys like Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow jump him. I also have currently... Deshaun Watson up there just because we don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, once we get some kind of resolution with what's going on with him, he'll probably drop because I do expect him to miss games. But it was more of just I have players I think that have jumped him necessarily than uh, him not playing well. So looking at their efficiency as a passer and deep ball passer, he surpasses Lamar in practically everything. Um, Accuracy 7.8, he's number 10. He's number one in true completion percentage at 76.4. Number one in deep ball completion percentage at
0: 50%. Number
2: eight in pressure at 51.4. Um, and number four in a clean pocket with 74.5%. He's number three as a true passer with 106.9 rating, number seven with a 56.8 QBR. Um, and then actually the only thing they're tied in is drops. They both have had 24 by their wide receivers over the past couple of years ties them at 17. Um, a matter of fact, just pointing out the fact that Hopkins doesn't get the separation that Marquise Hollywood-Brown had, where he actually does a lot, or his team does not do better for him than Lamar's does. Receivers target separation is one point five seven yards, which is sixty-sixth in in all of the quarterback rankings here. Uh, four quarterbacks. Lamar, meaning the how well the wide receivers is able to create separation before they get the pass, is one point eight one, which doesn't sound like a lot more. That's 21 in the NFL. So he's a high end. With his wide receivers creating separation, which I would argue is probably Hollywood Brown. And I would imagine they factor Mark Andrews into this stuff. I don't know that for a fact, who obviously is also very good at creating separation. But it's a true passer, Lamar, 17th compared to Kyler Murray's one. QBR, 17th compared to Kyler Murray's one. Uh, Whereas it drops, as I mentioned, they're both 17. Accuracy rating, 7.714 compared to Kyler Murray's four. True completion percentage, 70.320 compared to Kyler Murray's one. Deep ball completion percentage, 37% compared to Kyler Murray's one. Uh, pocket percentage, 68.9, 22 compared to Kyler Murray's four. Again, I'm not trying to say Lamar Jackson's a bad player, but he is not the passer that Kyler Murray is. He's just not. And I, I, I don't think that that's going to change at all this year. I actually think, again, I think Hollywood Brown going to Arizona is going to help Kyler Murray because it gives him, in my opinion, a better deep threat than what Christian Kirk was. Because I, I think Christian Kirk was miscast. At that, if you've watched us for a couple years, you know, when he came out, Dennis and I both said he fits better in the slot, and he got passed over that because they had a legend Hall of Famer and Larry Fitzgerald there. I think Kirk was miscast as that deep threat. We saw him drop balls, which I think also got him benched. We're going to see a better deep threat in that in Hollywood Brown. The over-under here for the Arizona Cardinals is at 8.5, and I really don't know what to do with that. I feel like I should take the over because I think this offense is going to be better. But honestly, I I was probably one of Kingsbury's more ardent defenders, not just on this podcast, but in the fantasy space. He has not done anything to deserve that, though. He's been good, but really does not seem to be able to keep this team together. I'm going to take the slight over. I think they could get possibly to 10, but I do feel like 8.5 is a very fair number. What are you guys doing with their uh, win total?
3: I think they're staring at an eight and nine season and a new head coach next year.
1: So I also think they're staring at an eight and nine season, so I'm taking the slight under. The thing is, they just did a new five-year contract with Kingsbury, so I think they've pinned them it's like they've made an a long-term commitment to being the jeff fisher of the nfc west i I think kingsbury will get at least a couple more years after this no matter how they do because they've gone down that road i was his extension this offseason was one of the more shocking to me just because Going back to 2014 in college, his teams have faded down the stretch hardcore. That has been a huge problem for his NFL team, and I think it continues to be until they can figure out how to solve that. And I've seen no evidence that they even know how to solve it.
2: Well, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll go a step further on the college side here. Not only did his teams falter down the back half, they faltered, period. He had a below 500. He had a losing record in college.
1: He must have, like, pictures of Steve Keim. Um, maybe well, because he let him borrow that adult film mansion that he lives in over one weekend i don't know but the fact that they not only re him but re him for five years and took care of that before they went out and did kyler murray was fascinating to me because now you i would expect murray's gonna stay there we may never see kyler murray with a different coach
2: I honestly think, but what you just said is why they did it is because of Kyler Murray. They clearly want him to be there. A lot of the rumors were they were trying to get him extended, but he he was doing it as like a stand with Cliff thing, right? Like those two are going to be paired together, and I agree. I think they're going to be there for probably two or three more years. And if this continues to happen, maybe finally we see they move them move on from him. But I, I think it's because of Kyler Murray that all this stuff has been going on because that that first regime clearly believed in Josh Rosen. And then as soon as they brought Cliff in and we heard all the narratives that offseason that, oh, well, it's going to be Kyler Murray because none of us believe that. There's like there's no way you take a QB top 10 and then you take a QB at one and then it happened and they completely shifted the quarterback landscape as well. So
1: may not have been a bad, bad decision.
2: No, it wasn't a bad bet. But I think betting on trying to keep the coach with the QB that both want each other like. We've seen QBs want to keep their coaches before. And then, and I'm not saying that whoever wanted Jeff Fisher, I don't even remember who the court was, it Jared Cook? Yeah, Jared Goff. I'm sorry. No, not saying that Jared Goff wanted to lose Jeff Fisher, but like Sean McVay was the best thing that probably happened to Jared Goff. We don't know that someone else couldn't come in and get the best out of Kyler Murray. Sometimes it's best to just move on and see what you can do. But, you know, I understand they want to extend Kyler Murray. So that will do it for us today. We will be back on Friday with.
1: 49ers, 49ers and Seahawks
2: Seahawks I mean, yeah. couldn't remember either one of them there for a second Back with the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks Everybody have a safe and happy 4th of July And we will talk to you guys again on Friday
0: Prepare for glory I don't know if you got your popcorn ready Do you got your popcorn ready I came like the wrong line already. And he's hit the For an unbelievable touchdown I would be honored if you played football for this team. No one up above his head. They can't jump with me. God, leave. Only oh, tackle them a 4 year Who can make a play? I can Who can make a play? I can <laughs>